$50 on the robot man. Yeah, I'll take that bet. $50. Hundred dollars on, on the human. Robots forever. <laughs> One, two, three, four. I declare a cyborg war. Welcome to Video High, your B-movie education. Today's class is Hands of Steel from 1986. Before we get to the class, let's do the roll call. Casey Regan. All right, Fab Five. Today, we have Casey, a 32-year-old single, semi-employed, aspiring filmmaker slash lousy podcaster (laughs) who's let himself go from fab to flab. So we are going to cut him open and shove a cybernetic skeleton <laughs> in his body. This week on Queer Act for the Straight Act. <laughs> there it is. I okay, was, I was okay, waiting for it okay. to, to stick that lander, but you did. Don't you ever fucking doubt me again. <laughs> I promise, I promise. Jamie Kennedy. At this point, I think Greg is purposely trying to see how many Stallone movie riff-offs there are where I haven't watched the original. <laughs> Honestly, have I seen any Stallone movies? <laughs> I mean, there's about eight movies in this movie. Being so Chances are high you at least may have caught a clip of one. Josh Roth. We'll get to it, but this movie's ending is tied with Babylon for the Making Me Scream What for 10 Full Minutes Award. <laughs> and I'm Greg Hansen, and moments before a character introduces Dr. Peckinpah, <laughs> I hastily wrote that this movie's alternate title should have been Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Fettuccini. <laughs> That is all. (laughs) All right, ladies and gentlemen, after 10 years of research and months of labor, Windmill Consolidated is proud to announce that the ultimate in military technology is here. I'd like you to meet our newest team member, Dawn. Dawn? Powering on. Very impressive, Josh. Very impressive. Yes, quite. What did we land on for this model? Razor-sharp fingernails? Acid spit? Or was it super-strong mandibles? So many options. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) Uh, No, uh, Don here was built with a super-strong titanium alloy belly button. Belly button? Well, yes, you see, it shields Don's innards from gunfire and projectiles. And what about Don's chest? Oh, no, no, no. Don's chest is extremely vulnerable. Why would you give him an extreme vulnerability? I thought this was the ultimate killing machine. Uh, Yes, well, we didn't want to give Don too much of an unfair advantage, and this would keep him from being stabbed by surprise stabbers. So long as it's only in the belly button. Yes, exactly. But not the rest of the belly? No. Get back in there and bring us the ultimate weapon. Why would you even give a cyborg a belly button in the first place? Don't want milk! (laughs) Mama! (laughs) 
Alright, ladies and gentlemen, after years of research and months of labor, Windmill Consolidated is proud to announce... Yes, yes, what's the new development? And how well will it kill? Well, let me ask you this. What's the strongest muscle in the human body? The bicep. The quadricep. The tongue! I kill with tongue! (laughs) Spoons for fingers! (laughs) Twelve toes! Very sharp eyebrows that can... Poison breath? Actually, that one's pretty good. Sticks and stones. Is it active now? Thank you, man. Okay, the kinks have finally been worked out. I give you... Don, now with the sharpest wit in the world. Wit? His words are cunning. Wit. His quips are biting. Wit? Think about it. He can murder from afar. It's untraceable. Words that kill. They always say the pen is mightier than the sword. Yes, but a rocket launcher takes out a sword like boom. Josh, we don't really think this relationship is working out. Don, he's great. He's just not right for windmill. You understand. Sancho, can you take Dawn away? Uh, Wait, I was just created to kill? Where's the nobility in that? Dawn, I'm sorry, but it's time for you to be retired. Sancho? Uh, Wait, I have but one request. I've only been alive for a few mere moments, but I have many thoughts in my head, and I would like to at least write down my last thoughts. (sighs) Okay. To surrender dreams. This may be... Madness! He stabbed Sancho with the pen! Oh, shit! Don, please! It turns out the pen is mightier! (laughs) They never did ask about his intense martial arts training. Oh, well. Don, take my advice and live a long, long time. I will fare, Josh. But you won't. Quixotic, no? (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking today, I was like, ooh, it's Greg's turn for the book report. I can't wait. I wonder if he'll write another one with himself as RoboCop. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, Greg. I know we're not supposed to do this. The book report's supposed to be an open forum. We shouldn't give notes or anything. But... How could you not include the most important aspect of this movie, arm wrestling? Yeah. <laughs> that was light on how arm wrestling, you, I must say. And this movie was not light on arm wrestling. Listen, <laughs> most of my book reports have very little to do. I'm actually so uh, proud of myself for staying as on task <laughs> as I did. I'm just grateful that now I know how to pronounce quixotic. <laughs> I'm the result of Project HOS-1. of my body has been bionically reconstructed. I can't let him escape. Go after him with the laser. Cyborgs in arm wrestling competitions, guys. No, that's got to be against the rule book, right? This cannot be an Airbud scenario. Oh, my God. It's a little bit in memoriam, I guess, but I think Blanco should still be champion, right? Like, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, obviously, wasn't dethroned by anyone legitimate. If he was, 
That means he wouldn't have died. <laughs> Ooh, he's got a point. Oh, my God. R.I.P. Blanco. <sighs> R.I.P. Blanco. Where this movie was set timeline-wise is fascinating <laughs> because I think you can argue this is the best definition of a near future. The only sci-fi concepts we have is a couple of cyborgs peppered around, but like they're not known to the world quite I mean, two, yet. two, right? I don't know if that third guy was a I, cyborg. I, we only definitively know two. Acid rain that happens for some reason in a 30-mile <laughs> stretch. Localized. localized. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Big ass laser guns that only come out at the last minute. And Jonestown, but if they had good ideas. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, the movie does imply that the air is basically fucking lava. Every room in this- The ductwork? Yeah, has impressive HVAC happening. <laughs> Amazing ductwork going on. And the cars too, I like that detail. They didn't extend that detail into performance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not a cough, not a single like, oh, you should get out of the outside. It's, it's much better in here where we- filter or something something and yes. yes not in the dialogue really not in the text just in the background <laughs> i love that this movie kind of had no genre or setting or anything it kind of just kept going <laughs> no gods no masters, <laughs> no gods, no masters. <laughs> absolutely that is the 100 percent the way to describe italian genre yeah. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. no genre no setting no ending to speak of this oh movie just sort of happens to you and i yeah. love it i love it so much it's fueled by people who have eaten a lot of meatballs <laughs> on both sides of the camera. I'm talking about big, meaty men uh, in front and round, meaty men behind. Beef. 100% beef. Well, you do a little veal and a little pork, too. It, it, it um, makes the okay, whole thing. Okay, okay. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, we have to reboot yes. Casey. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, the movie is, it is sort of breaking uh, me. I know. It broke my brain. That's the thing. Like, I know we usually do kind of a deep dive before we get into the first act synopsis, but like, I have so many specific thoughts about specific things in this episode that I kind of have to go in order. Also, there's just so much. I wrote my my, my, my third synopsis is pages upon pages. I know my synopsis. I I have like five pages here. It's it's madness. Did not time it out. It's wild the amount of things that happen. Yes. 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 It's jam-packed. Should, should we get into it? I think maybe the best thing to do it is just, is to just yeah, grab on. Let it rip. It's the far-off year of um, 1986, I guess? <laughs> but with some minor futuristic gadgets to thrill and confuse you. Pollution, fog machines, and somber jazz music have turned America into a heckscape. Signs plastered everywhere read, you have no future, depicting a man pointing with a blank expression as if to say, what's that behind you? No, seriously, there's something behind you. Ha ha, made you look. <laughs> this is the spiritual leader slash environmental crusader, Mosley. In preparation for a big rally, Mosley and his team have holed up in a dingy motel to study air quality, question mark? The authorities are worried about Mosley's safety, but Mosley and his second-in-command don't seem too concerned. Cut to the reason they should be concerned. A hunk of beef with a pompadour demi-mullet. Paco Korak is a cyborg with the titular hands of steel, but shh, we don't know that yet. He's a term- Nader sent to kill Mosley. 
Visions of handlers tell him to neutralize. Neutralize. Dental plan. Lisa needs braces. <laughs> but before he does, something in him awakens, or so we're told later in the film. Our hero's face is just as steely as his fists and betrays no emotion. And he only ruptures Mosley's spleen with a mega punch. Paco makes a run for it through some electrified sewers in a hollowed out box factory. <laughs> Detective something or other sees the open manhole cover, but helpfully tells us nobody could survive going through the conduit alive. Paco drives his getaway car towards the state border past a caution, acid rain ahead sign, which was useful because I forgot this was a dystopia. Meanwhile, we catch up with Paco's handlers, a guy who looks like Ben Mendelsohn and a guy wearing cute little round sunglasses. They punch up Paco's backstory on the computer to see why he failed his mission, but Ben Mendelsohn says it's no damn help. Their boss, Mr. Turner, calls them into his office for a stern talking to. He sends them off to find Paco before the FBI does. Paco pawns his acid-washed ride on a junkyard hillbilly so he can cross the border from Utah into Arizona undetected by the border control. His ride doesn't last long, though, because it dies, and he gives it a Viking burial off of a cliff. Paco hoofs it through the desert to the Champions Oasis Motel. The sign of two beefy arms wrestling tells us we're headed straight for an over-the-top scenario. <laughs> Meanwhile, Ben Mendelsohn and Specs pay a visit to Professor Ulster. Ulster is the mad scientist who cyborgified Paco for Turner. Then he grew conscious and retreated to his air beduct laboratory to continue his experiments in a non-evil way, I guess? <laughs> Ulster needs some convincing, so Ben Mendelssohn trashes the professor's computer until he tells him why Paco could have failed. In a Freudian leap, Ulster says it probably has to do with his childhood in Arizona. Having got what they came for, the handlers kill Ulster. Then Spex kills Ben Mendelssohn for reasons that never quite become clear. Paco tells Linda, the owner of the Champions Oasis, that he needs a room, but he's got no cash. She says he could stay if he chops some wood for her. And then she shows him a massive pile of logs, tires, and straight-up trash. And Paco agrees. Spex tells Turner what they learned. Turner says he's hiring a European hitman who's supposed to be infallible. Smash cut to Spex and Euro Assassin in a totally inconspicuous helicopter flying to Arizona. Paco tells Linda he's done chopping wood. She doesn't believe him, so she goes out to see for herself. Sure enough, Paco's turned the pile of junk into a neatly stacked assortment of firewood. Linda chuckles to herself, as if this isn't a completely insane feat of athleticism by a total stranger that is definitely worthy of suspicion. The irony, you say, of Mosley's poster saying, pointing to say, look behind you. Because <laughs> he's, he's blind. blind y'all. Because he's, he's blind. Uh, <laughs> God, but not it. to the issues. No. 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 <laughs> There's something so funny about rallying around the motto, you have no future. <laughs> I thought that was our bad guy from the from the get-go. Now, I think we could use some of that honesty. Like, if, if <laughs> our political leaders were like, the earth is dying in 20 years. <laughs> yeah, right. It's kind of like a poster by Al Gore. Yeah. I imagine Al yeah. Gore would have a poster that says, you have no future. And that's why he lost. <laughs> Two-bit flea bags are real security risk. The least Mosley could have done is to take a place more appropriate for his headquarters. What could be more appropriate to an environmental crusade than this? Take a look outside. Industries reduced this neighborhood to garbage pit. Oh, come on, Thomas. He doesn't have to play suffering martyr to get followers. The country already loves him. This isn't a publicity stunt, Inspector. Mosley likes to fight his battles where it counts the most. On the front lines. 
without help from the authorities. The idealists, the people who work for Mosley, right? Besides just they're operating out of like a Breaking Bad location. <laughs> it's so boring. Yeah, it's so yeah. bad. That first scene is so bad. <laughs> that first scene. It's got no juice to it. It is juiceless. Yeah. yeah, completely dry. And everyone is dull. I understand what they're arguing for. Like, honestly, it's a politician I would like to throw my hat behind. But, like, it's all spoken in such why, generalities. Why, Jimmy? Why, Jim? <laughs> because he doesn't, want, he doesn't want to work with the police. He's working with the people. He's trying to reform environmental things. That is true. I dig his platform. I, I just don't think he's got the legs. I just don't think he's. <laughs> oh, oh! Wait a minute. Cancel. Wait a minute. He's sitting down the whole time. I feel like you just reacted to what I just said as if he was paraplegic. I assume he, he was, was wheelchair wheel- bound. He yeah. was in a wheelchair. But he's standing up in the "You Have No Future" thing. So was FDR in all of his press photos. <laughs> <laughs> I guess he was doing an FDR. It's a movie where there, where where it posits a future of uncertain environmental collapse, and then. Our main character drives up in a car that gets like four miles to the gallon. (laughs) (laughs) Playing like wave race music that's extremely influenced by Owner of a Lonely Heart. It's just like all orchestra hits. And I was like, this is our... I was like, I knew from the cover that this is our hero. But very unclear. You open on this group of idealistic people fighting for climate change reform. And then our quote unquote hero comes up, knocks out the nerdy spokesperson, and then almost punches to death a blind man in a wheelchair. And you're like, where's this movie going, movie? (laughs) Maybe I'm being unfair to Mosley because he does have a very radical little outfit going, right? Out of this like sleazy motel. The best. Case motel. (laughs) But also a motel where our protagonist has been living. He's been there for more than one day. Ten days. He's able to walk in and do truly something to Thomas, the assistant. (laughs) And then, yeah, punch our guy to death. But he's only able to do that because small fro'd Jaleel White. It's been like denied and and the rest of the police force and FBI. They're like, we need to protect this radical politician. We need to. You know how the FBI is always doing that? Right. (laughs) Sort of number one one thing they do. And they're like, okay, okay, fine. You can protect us, but but do it outside. (laughs) Hence our guy can punch Mosley to near death. And then, yeah, he... (laughs) Jumps out a window, shimmies through a tiny little manhole. Runs through like a Spencer's gift aisle of uh, little sparky things (laughs) going all over him. (laughs) He like runs through what they use to torture C-3PO or whatever. Like (laughs) Jabba's palace, what Jabba's like torturing other droids with. I wish there was a conch droid upside down with his feet. (laughs) 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 Then he gets out of the sewer and I think that's the moment when it really hit me how bad this future was because, I mean, the box industry had fled. That warehouse was <laughs> dilapidated, run down. I mean, if film has taught us anything, it's that box factories are the foundation of not only this country, yeah. but of the world. It was just very clear that it had been years, it seems, since a box had been put together, taped up, stacked. Corrugated. And that means that town was dead. I would have liked it if there was more 
more time given to no, I wouldn't. Have. No, you Never wouldn't mind. have. No, I would have hated it. Boring yeah. as Screw hell. It. Boring as shit. I don't want that movie. Yeah, I was gonna say I was like, we're spending an awful lot of time talking about the political side of this movie, <laughs> which, which is one thousand percent does not matter. No. It's just no. a a political candidate is attempted assassinated. That's it. Who are you? Where is Thomas? Neutralize. You, you come to kill me, haven't you? Neutralize. Neutralize. But you'll never kill the work I have begun. Go on. What are you waiting for? Get it over with. The world is falling apart and needs like huge reforms. And apparently the government just or at least secret organizations within the government is spending all of its budget on a cyborg program that fails immediately. Like we're talking like Hindenburg levels like this is our test run guy. You get out there and he's run away. Okay, (laughs) he's on the loose. That is a very good point that I wanted to get to. So this is the first cyborg assassination attempt, right? Like this is the this is the test. Run. This, this is a maiden flight run. of the SS Paco. Yes. The problem is they all they did was they put all the cyborg stuff in them and then they stared at him and said, neutralize, neutralize, <laughs> neutralize over and over again. And that's just bad. That's also, bad. he did neutralize. He didn't kill. That's, that, it, it, yeah. that's true. Wrong instructions. He, yeah. <laughs> he neutralized. So whose fault is it really? Well, and, and then I love that they go complete scorched earth on it. Oh, Arguably, yeah. there's a world where this guy ran away to Arizona of all places. They could have just been like, well... That didn't work. But they were like, we have to track him down and we have to kill literally anyone who has even seen his face. The fact that they kill the hillbilly car dealer when there is literally no reason to kill him is hilarious. I disagree. Those motherfuckers rolled up in a helicopter (laughs) asking for a guy who who like traded in his used Buick. Like, <laughs> if they left in that helicopter and I was that guy, I'd be like, that was weird. I should tell somebody. <laughs> I'm telling literally everyone that the first guy who drove through acid rain gave me his future car, took my other junk car, and then a helicopter landed. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and a German guy gave me $1,000. Yeah, that's the story for years. So yes, this is our hero quote unquote it's amazing how unclear it is that this is our hero talk about an introduction our hero furrows bone meal who uh, has really big eyebrows and a very steely look which is useful because the name of the movie has steel in it as well (laughs) and we won't find out what his name is which is a a crazy truly a wild thing which is paco (laughs) querac spelled uh, how the hell do you spell it? <laughs> Q-U-E-R-A-K. Querac. I mean, they say Querac, so my opening joke stands. <laughs> and John Saxon, who gets a, a special guest appearance credit, special guest appears in the first 10 minutes of the movie to basically be like, all right, I'm evil. Uh, I'm wearing a power tie. <laughs> he says the words, find Paco Querac before the FBI does, understand? Which is literally just the movie. That's <laughs> If you were to distill the movie into one sentence, it's that. And also not that hard, because the FBI really don't get their shit together until, like, the, <laughs> until last the very last 30 moment. seconds of the movie. Yeah. They are procrastinators. They get it done at the last minute. <laughs> yeah. But 
this is the second movie in two years, you know, in 1986 that John Saxon is in a movie about a killer hand. What's the other one? Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, oh you're John, right. John, the Freddy Krueger. It was big. It was big. Now, what did people love? The hands <laughs> of steel? <laughs> <laughs> doesn't really matter because John Saxon brings the goods. John Saxon always brings the goods. I was most disappointed that he kind of vanishes from the movie in the second act. Well, it's because he was only shooting his scenes in Italy. It's almost like John Saxon was the most expensive part of the movie. (laughs) I didn't expect that he would fail. I know, sir. I can't understand it. What you can't understand is not important. What matters is that he did fail. And that means that he can fail again and be caught. Not if we get to him first. I don't think you can handle this. You've made too many mistakes already. Give me another chance, Turner. The reputation of this entire foundation is at stake, not to mention my reputation personally and that of my friends. If the FBI find Paco Quarag and trace him to us, we're finished. We'll get him. I guarantee it. You know who doesn't sell it as much? Either of his goons. <laughs> Are you talking about Greasy Guy and Sunglasses Windbreaker? David Carradine at the Playboy Mansion and fucking Joe Pantoliano from Baby's Day Out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish it was Joey Pants in this movie. Uh, oh, I wish. No, they're so menacing, Josh. They could they're kill so you nothing. at any second. I did love- By that, I mean, because they do. Like, not that they're, <laughs> not that they're giving that, but- the, the script gives that. Why does Glasses kill Mendelssohn? It's unclear. Because he knows too much you know, yeah. and he's found out the important information, which is Arizona for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> it is such nonsense when they kill that first guy. <laughs> it's, it's, and it happens like that. Like, it's a flash. It's like a weirdly effective moment after a scene that was otherwise so, so sucky, bad, hilarious. Like, <laughs> my life's worse. Yeah, yeah. They're tearing up Doc Ulster's lab and he's like, yeah, going, no, no, please, not my, kill me, but not my work. And they're like pulling down what, what like, if an elementary school put on H.G. Wells' The Time Machine. Yes. Like, like, <laughs> I know what you're capable of, but I will not be intimidated. I am not afraid. We'll see. No, no, touch that. Stop, please. Oh my God, you're ruining everything. No, leave it alone, I thank you. No, please don't do that, no. Stop, I might work. stop it. You ruin everything. So, you are vulnerable, I see. Well? The answer may be in his childhood. What's that mean? It is possible that some fleeting memories of his youth are still there buried in his psyche. Or perhaps he went back to the source to recapture his past and try to rebuild his identity. Arizona. Paco trades out his car, goes to Arizona, and winds up at... The arm wrestling the inn. The arm wrestling inn. Arizona's premier motel diner brothel. <laughs> <laughs> It has it all. Yep, arm wrestling championship headquarters. I loved the wall of photos of all the different arm wrestling because I got up and I came back. So I had missed the sliver of establishing shot of the sign with the two arms. Oh, that's the worst thing to miss. miss yeah, 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 it sets up everything. I sat Not down. Not only it sets up everything, it's the single greatest image in the movie. Yes. Yeah. I sat down and Linda said, You ever arm wrestle? No. It's a big deal around here. Those are the champs of the past 10 years. 
He's the tri-state champion now. And I turn to Jamie and I say, that is the most insane <laughs> thing what, to what greet someone with. And I'm with. like, well, that's not the movie's fault. You walked away. The movie, <laughs> the movie, movie made this abundantly clear. Josh, don't be too hard on yourself. It could have had a lower third that says, this is about to become an arm wrestling movie, and it still <laughs> would have been a non-sequitur, right? Considering what we had just been watching. I had a real embarrassing moment where already in just our little bit of talking about this movie, I think it would become clear that it's doing a bit of Terminator ripping off. Right? Yes, yes. Just a scotch, a little scotch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, here and there, it, it smatters a Terminator in there, right? You know, just a few exact shots. Yeah. <laughs> so when it cuts to that sign of the two arms like embraced, a white arm, a black arm, like like holding each other in arm wrestling, I was like, "Oh, are they? Is that Predator? Yeah, yeah, are they yeah. do? Are they referencing <laughs> Predator? Right?" And I, I, I started writing this whole screed about like that's a Predator reference in a meme before internet memes. That's what memes used to be. <laughs> Just things we all sort of shared as an understanding. Images. That's what I, I was like. That's when memes meant something, man. That's when memes were. And then Google, Google. Oh, Predator's 1987. Never mind. <laughs> 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 it's like never mind. It's an over the top <laughs> which is also crazy oh, also, yeah. and why, the why? fact that it's an over-the-top ripoff is insane i've never heard of an over-the-top ripoff that's bananas i've barely heard of over the top the real question is is it actually ripping off over the top or is it concurrent though i do know that over the top the script bummed around mm. hollywood for like a good long while before oh, did it actually really? getting made. Sure did. So is it Jurassic Park and Carnosaur then, you know? Oh. It is an interesting question. Yeah, like Stallone's the big star. He's doing this arm wrestling movie. We got to put a little arm wrestling in our movie. A little. A little. <laughs> <laughs> is there some grander arm wrestling movie tradition that we're not privy to? Is there any arm wrestling in Roadhouse? I can't remember. Or did I conflate it? With, with over, over the, the top. top, yeah, you're, yeah, they they have a very similar vibe. If there is, it's definitely not like dramatic. Okay, I'm just mushing them all together in my brain. That's fair, man. That's kind of like what this movie did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Italian movies usually do the thing that music videos do. You know, in music videos, I feel like uh, you set up the three or four looks, and then you just kind of cycle through them a bunch of times. Uh, I feel like Italian movies do the same thing where it's like, okay, it, yeah, it's Terminator, it's Rambo, and it's like a little cannonball run. Mm -hmm. Those are all in the first 10 minutes of the movie, so you kind of know the movies that it's ripping off. This movie is like throwing out shit until the last moment. Like in Act 3, I was like, oh shit, we got Blade Runner? It's really throwing spaghetti at the wall. <laughs> and you know what? All of it sticks. Yeah. This movie may have been directed by Al Dente. <laughs> Oh, man, what if Al Dente was the Italian equivalent of Alan Smithy? How incredible would that <laughs> oh, be? Oh, God. <laughs> it's not too late. Someone could do this. Free idea. And Come that and take someone it. is me. Oh, <laughs> but that raises the question of, has an Italian director ever used their actual name? Yeah. <laughs> Why did you let me stay? Who knows? Maybe the memory of the girl who showed up here afraid and broke 13 years ago. Lost and nowhere to stay. Or maybe it's because there's a whole lot of wood out there that needs chopping. I didn't think anyone used wood anymore. Oh, they do. Especially since Reverend Mosley started his movement. And I'd sure like to meet up with that rat that tried to kill him. So we meet Linda. Linda is an interesting character, mainly because 
I can't believe she doesn't catch on to the fact that this stranger is a cyborg sooner. I mean, why would you, though? Like, it's again, it's the near future. They said, cyborgs? Is that a thing that's happened? And, like, we're hearing rumblings that they've been researching it. That's fair, but he does... I wouldn't jump to cyborg. Do they word drop cyborg early in the movie? Not no. early. No, they don't. I had a moment where I sort of regretted that I just sort of peeped at the IMDb description and was like, oh, no, because it was so confusing what the fuck he did to... <laughs> right, 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 right. Mostly. Right. And I was like, oh, Hands of Steel, Cyborg, I'm putting all the pieces together, right? And I wonder how I would feel if I didn't. If there was the reveal. If it wasn't until, yeah, he's literally opening up his self and we're seeing the cybernetics. If it would have just read as like, oh, mindless action movie badass. I did not look at the IMDb and that is what I thought. <laughs> I don't know much about this this Daniel Green fella who plays Paco Quirac, but he's not a very charismatic actor, <laughs> but... He is playing a robot, so I got, like, no end of enjoyment out of, like, you've got a meaty, square-jawed dullard on screen. Let's make him a robot, and that's perfectly explainable. Doesn't give an excuse for the rest of the cast, but... Right. <laughs> <laughs> when you, and when you say Daniel Green, you are talking about David Hasselino, right? Like... Yes. yes. <laughs> David, David Hasselino. <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger. Plant Parmesan. <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegroni. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tighter, cleaner, cleaner. Fucking got it. <laughs> Mosley wakes up in the hospital and is interrogated by the police regarding the man who tried to kill him. But of course, he didn't see anything. But he can describe what the weapon that struck him felt like, and it, quote, wasn't particularly large, but it was hard. Extremely hard. And let's just say it all together, class. That's what she said. <laughs> Three beefy arm-wrestling truckers show up to the motel diner, including Raul, who's a bit of a local legend and has toxic masculinity leaking out of every sweat gland. He sexually harasses Linda and taunts Paco, who calls him a loser. Linda has it with these middle school shenanigans of, I know you are, but what am I? And tells the boys to cool it. So, of course, they ratchet up the tension with some pranks. You know the kind. When one guy gives you a roll of toilet paper because you're, quote, scared to fight us and shit in your pants, so in return you rip a piece of granite countertop off and chuck it at their heads. I think these guys are going to be friends. Back with forensics. A drafting computer is trying to sketch the weapon that attacked Mosley. And listener, I cannot stress enough how phallic this drawing is. The filmmakers must have known, right? Anyway, it's just a penis, and they have no idea what it could actually be. Paco agrees to arm wrestle Roel, and everyone has placed 10 to 1 odds that Paco can't beat him. Linda, though, knows the kind of damage those woodchopping arms can do, and bets 1,000 on him for his honor. Paco does the old trick of letting Raul think he's winning and then wha-bam gives him the smackdown. Raul wants to challenge Paco again, but this time through the proxy of the tri-state champion Blanco, and it will be double or nothing. Meanwhile, the hitmen visit the car dealer that sold Paco his new car. It's a pretty clean exchange. He's more than happy to give them the information they want, especially since they're offering bribes. But after telling them the license plate of the car, they turn around and kill him and burn his car lot, which all feels rather unnecessary for what they're trying to achieve. Too bad they didn't account for a little desert car dealer junior who is witness to the whole thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Right. That happened. That happened. <laughs> Linda gets an emergency call that some folks have driven off the road and there are children trapped inside. That's right, Linda is not only this area's preeminent motel, diner, and brothel manager, she also drives a tow truck. 
<laughs> Paco agrees to go out himself to help, but when he arrives at the scene, it's another classic Raul prank. You know, the kind where you have the audio recording of some children crying, playing on the front seat of a car, and then you hook a guy to a tow truck and drag him through the desert and beat the shit out of him with a lead pipe. Boys will be boys, am I right? But with all this bodily damage, how will Paco be able to show up for the arm wrestling rematch against Blanco? Well, because he is a cyborg, baby! The high-stakes world of arm wrestling next to live rattlesnakes who will attack the loser is no match for Paco, who beats the reigning champ. But Paco is a cyborg of honor, and he chops off the snake's head before it can attack Blanco. This will be important. Karate chops. Karate chops. <laughs> Paco tends to his cybernetic wounds, and Linda comes to check on him. Sexy music begins to play because this is the part of the movie where the two leads have sex. But Paco is also down for some emotional vulnerability and shares his cybernetic past with her. He was the result of Project HOS-1 after a terrible accident that left him mangled but alive, and 70% of his body has been replaced with bionic components. The next memory he has after his accident is waking up in front of Mosley and knowing he had to kill him, but he held himself back. Linda sees the heart of gold inside his heart of robot. The definite sketch of a penis slowly turns into a bat of a fist. <laughs> and somehow the police piece together that a cyborg arm is the attempted assassination culprit. They don't have access to government secrets, but they know of a scientist, read the one earlier murdered, who can possibly point them in the right direction. They start on the trail of Paco and the hitmen. Meanwhile, because of the mess they made in the desert, Howell has to abandon his emotional support helicopter and lay low because the FBI is on their trail. <laughs> they stop at a strip club and overhear truckers describing Paco, and I honestly wondered if he was going to nerf these guys too after this banal information. <laughs> the truckers send him to Raul, who is more than willing to hand Paco over to them. Classic Raul prank! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Raul. Oh, Raul. What a scamp. Do we think Cooper gets killed because Howl was supposed to be in that scene, but that scene was shot after the actor was killed in a helicopter accident shooting this movie? Wait, which one died? Howl. How old I? The actor wait, who played wait, yes. What guys? Wait, who is who is how? <laughs> He's the European the assassin. European assassin wait. who loves his helicopter so very much. Is that why they murk him so quick? Well, not him. No, no, because Howl's in it for the rest of the movie. Right, I'm wondering right. if that scene they had to like is replace Cooper him. A fill in? Like, is Cooper they had a fill to in? Put Cooper in. Yeah, Cooper just... fills in the scenes they didn't shot. That's what I'm wondering. Yes. Oh my god. You must be wow. right. You have the to be tangled right. web. I know. Yeah, seriously. Wow. I mean, god, I did not know that. That makes <laughs> Howl's actual death scene. Yeah. Well, I guess not actual death scene, but his death scene. Casey, we don't know. Casey. We don't know. <laughs> oh, but it, so his his his, his story since, death scene. Not since the Twilight Zone movie <laughs> has a helicopter stunt look so dope and been actually so deadly. <laughs> it makes it so much spookier, so much eerier that that character's death in the movie is like he gets shot and then they just fly away from his body like fucking the end of Platoon. Yeah, like that's eerie now to know that that guy died. The guy that we like watch leave the movie for yep. a long time oh my god <sighs> yikes yeah. 
Oh, that's so morbid. I love this movie. <laughs> so act two is the arm wrestling act. Yeah. We don't get any more arm wrestling except for, you know, the, the, the friends we made along the way in act three. <laughs> but this is definitively like when the movie takes a hard right turn into being an arm wrestling movie. <laughs> start when I give the signal. Winner is the first to put the other guy's hand flat on the tape. Any kind of support is strictly forbidden. When I get through with you, you're going to have to wipe your ass with your nose. <laughs> Fuck you. Hey, five to one, says Raul Ixum. Any takers? Are you kidding? Raul is going to destroy him. All right, ten to one. That's like betting on a high school team to win the Super Bowl. That's for sure. How do you like that, Wimp? Ten to one, we can't get anybody to bid on you. No, you ain't crazy, Bill. <laughs> Put 50 on a stranger just to make it interesting. What the hell? Put me in for 15. You got it. Was that it? Is anybody else willing to take a chance? We're throwing your goddamn money away. I'll bet a thousand dollars on him. You better win. I need a new counter. You know how movies are like, or art, I suppose, in general, is kind of about asking questions that we didn't know maybe we needed to ask or brings about some portal into humanity. At what point was somebody like, yo, what if uh, robots uh, were arm wrestling against us? Would that be real unfair? (laughs) What if the writer of this movie just lost an arm wrestling match really, really, really badly? Uh, What if the writer of this movie lost an arm wrestling match to that old arcade game where you had to arm wrestle (laughs) a machine? What if this movie had a writer? (laughs) Imagine. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the answer is it it wouldn't be fair because say what you will about Raul, not a great guy. No. But he earned his place as number like three or four. <laughs> right, on right, this right, right, right. He, like, he's not going to go for Blanco as he's made it like explicitly clear. <laughs> no, I mean, never, never would he go after the, the king like that. He know he doesn't have it, but he knows he's better than most arm wrestlers. Yeah, yeah. And that, that is arm wrestling like that is hard earned. Yep. He didn't just get an adamantium skeleton or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> I do love the arm wrestling action. I don't even know what to say about it anymore, except that there is an arm wrestling movie in the middle of our cyborg movie. Yes. <laughs> in the middle of our post-apocalyptic yes. cyborg shoot-em-up action movie. Yes, and yeah. there are two major arm wrestling scenes. One that's very run-of-the-mill, so then they ratchet it up to, yes. okay, so you know the rules. Oh, yeah. Yes, we're going to arm wrestle, but the person who gets pinned first is going to get restrained to the table and then yeah. these cages full of rattlesnakes are gonna be let loose yeah. to yeah. bite your hands saw take notes yeah. <laughs> the losing hand goes down a cuff immediately locks over him at the same time that activates the door on the rattlesnake cage. <laughs> on the clear plexiglass yeah. so everyone knows yeah. that there are rattlesnakes they say indian style which is just so weird well if you're so sure of yourself how about we wrestle indian style Loser's hand gets bit by a rattlesnake. What do you say? That'll make it more interesting. Good. Tonight at seven. Double or nothing. Which is also wrong, by the way. We can get into this in the Rupoff report card, but actually there is a quote-unquote Indian style. Wait, really? And the only difference is you do it standing up. 
That's Ooh. that's what Indian style is. That's a set. That's a different. You found the wrong Indian style. Yeah, that's the short, hard thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's kind of like this movie was written by somebody who was who like was like, I we need a new movie. We need a new movie. Hey, Luigi. Ah, hey, come down to my movie theater. Take in a movie. All right, I'm going to go see a Terminator. Oh, the Terminator. I'm a little bored. I'm going to take a little uh, a little stroll over to the next theater, see what's going on in the next theater. Oh, oh, uh, Madame Max. Oh, I like this. Uh, but I'm a little bored. Uh, let me see what's in the next theater. Ooh, over the top. Wow. With my favorite, Sylvester Stallone. Mm, like. <laughs> If it didn't have the same cast of characters, I yep. would think of this like a Godfrey yeah. Ho, like cut and paste movie. Yeah. You could easily slice through the different movies that it is. It's not just a jumbled mix. In the way that Paco slices through the head of a rattlesnake, perhaps. <laughs> also, how wild that this and... Flashlight to hell. Flash, yeah, not that yeah. long we're ago. But yeah, yeah, we're going to... Be- Peter's coming for our asses, guys, yeah. <laughs> if we keep featuring these snakes getting their heads chopped off. We're in our beheaded snake phase, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> the point of the scene, if anything, is to introduce us to our sixth villain, Raul. Yeah. <laughs> who will take much more personal umbrage with the existence of Paco Quirac. Without ever knowing that he's a cyborg. No! No! (laughs) Paco slights this guy once, and Raul is like, you're dead. They also explain that Paco moved in on Raul's girl, which was never his girl (laughs) in any way, shape, or form. Very clearly. Though, I don't know, there was that moment where Raul wins that first arm wrestling match against one of the other truckers. And then he stands up, walks over to Linda and goes, don't you want to kiss the wiener? (laughs) (laughs) This movie has so many penises. So many penises. Well, he's a a giant dick, so. (laughs) Raul is very big, very imposing, and a jerk. Pretty lax in terms of 80s sex pestery. Like, he doesn't go too hard into Linda, but, you know, he's he's being loud, he's being obnoxious. Paco... I guess has his OS has a big dick functionality. Yeah. He <laughs> walks in the room and bumps into him, which begins their rivalry. It's the most middle school thing, like yeah. their whole <laughs> relationship. When he passes him the toilet paper, so that's opinion. Which is like moment. the funniest joke his friends have ever heard. <laughs> oh, when there are only five people that you see presumably every single day of your life. Yeah, I think it gets a little old. Yeah. <laughs> it is made worse that like Linda, she's like, they made me deliver this to you. <laughs> she has so much sorrow in her voice. Yeah. Of like, I didn't want to go through with this. You must be so embarrassed right now. <laughs> right now. <laughs> you must be humiliated. You just got served. <laughs> yeah. He served now. They forced me to do this. If you're a man, prove it. If you're shitting in your pants, clean your ass with this. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. <laughs> I think he's going to need another roll at least. <laughs> you can put him down, Raul. He knows it. Yeah, he's a Yeah, but as strong as a wet fart. <laughs> That scene is sort of the movie encapsulated, right? (laughs) Raul's upset because Paco's not picking up on the taunts, not arm wrestling him as As is the way. As is the way of this truck stop brothel post office 
Wells Fargo fucking <laughs> whatever. Whatever Linda's running here in the post-apocalypse. And then he sees a grease pencil and he writes something in the grease pencil on the counter and then rips that piece of the granite counter off and tosses it over. It says you're on, right? You explain that. So cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That it's what this movie is, right? It's a amazingly cool delivery on nonsense setup. <laughs> yes. On setup that is just makes no sense. Totally, like, uncanny. But also, opaque. it's only embarrassing because he, like, reads it out loud. What if he had just read it in his head and was like, funny, and then, like, put the toilet paper roll down? Yeah. I have to hand it to him. Raul really goes from performing what is objectively one of the worst pranks on screen, that gets a huge (laughs) laugh, to the craziest follow-up prank where he stages a scene of all of the people in the town theoretically together to attempt murder on a man, (laughs) and they're all like, Look at him! Get him, Raul! Putting the tape recorder in the car is so insane. Yeah, Raul's wilding out this whole movie. I love him so much. <laughs> okay, real talk. Is Raul more of a criminal mastermind than Turner? Is? Yes. Sure. Yeah. Turner 100%. is bumbling his way through this. Like He's like, shit, the one time we like funded a program to assassinate a political opponent and it goes to hell this bad... Ooh, I should have listened to should have listened to the buyers, the investors. <laughs> no, Turner's plan until literally the last moments are send small groups of goons with guns at the bulletproof cyborg. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, Raul's the one person who comes up like incapacitates Paco for a second, traps him. Yeah. He gets the drop on him more than anyone else has to yep. this point. And Blanco's such a man of honor as we learn later. Yeah. Like that's the funny thing. Like Blanco yeah. was not part of this prank. Blanco no. had no knowledge of this prank and he definitely would not have uh, uh, Attempted a- murder. Approved of it, yeah. No, as no. good as though the arm wrestling scenes are, are as bland as the Paco Linda scene is, where he reveals he's a cyborg. <laughs> yeah, the like Bond villain explanation scene. Yeah. yeah. I'm the result of Project HOS1. 70% of my body has been bionically reconstructed. Bionically? I guess you're wondering if I'm a man. Well, been asking myself that lately and to tell you the truth i don't know what i am you're right after we've just watched him karate chop a rattlesnake to death right thrilling incredible we just cut to we're we're behind paco's shoulder and then we get a point of view shot of him looking down at his forearm which he's opened and is tinkering with the mechanical gizmos and whatnot inside. It's like, this is so nonchalant like again (laughs) i knew he was a cyborg because this movie was made forever ago and has an imdb page right but it's like if i didn't if i (laughs) if i thought until that moment i was watching a really tough strong guy right you know maybe at the point that he is effortlessly putting down blanco who is about 600 pounds of just like roundness like he looks like the guy who just lifts triangular weights and like uh cartoons from the 1900s or whatever god i wish he had a striped leotard yeah right the fact that he puts an entire chicken into his mouth and then just immediately pulls out one large bone yeah we didn't see him for most of the rest of the movie because he was off chasing olive oil (laughs) his goyle but this movie does kind of at this point start to get its tech now we get gadget porn and for both the post-apocalyptic 
movie subgenre and the Terminator ripoff subgenre. There's a lot of both Italian movies that fall into both categories. <laughs> and there's a predilection in these movies to have gizmos. And most of the time, the gizmos are both nonsense and unimpressive, to say the least. <laughs> and this movie has that, but in spades, in a way that I was so excited. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it starts with the tinkering in the arm, and then it goes to the hitman. And the one of the hitmen has a little doodad that he like got out of the fucking Boy Scout wrapping paper selling catalog. You know, he's like he sold nineteen rolls of wrapping paper, and so you get the the uh, infrared gun with with yeah. uh uh ear pieces for yeah, some yeah, reason yeah, yeah, because yeah. you have to hear the infrared like i don't know what this thing is it's a hair dryer with like a garmin gps on the top so that you can see infrared images <laughs> there's the computer that the fbi has with like the or like the with the yeah the, the diagram magic, the magic the computer, magic computer. Yeah. It's, it's gonna take, yeah but you mean like the vampire computer in project vampire <laughs> yeah. where it's like it's gonna take some time but it will give us the answers to the third act <laughs> <laughs> let it think when mosley wakes up and they're like can you remember anything about what hit you and he's like uh, only that it was not very large but <laughs> So hard. Yeah. So, so incredibly so hard. hard. And so throbbing. <laughs> engorged with blood. And then that, yeah, that computer, like, simulation of what <laughs> what like... the impact material was is just a fucking, fucking baby's arm holding an apple, baby. Like, it's so fucking phallic. Yep. So funny. <laughs> and, and then it lists all the things it could possibly be. I'm like, come on, you're leaving off. Come on. <laughs> you're leaving off the obvious one, guys. Come on. Come on. Yeah. It's right in front That's of you. how you know this is science fiction, because if anything's been telling us from chat GPT and everything, Thing, like AI would have jumped to penis <laughs> or Nazi first. Like it would have yeah. done it either. The image of that fucking obvious cock on that computer turning <laughs> yeah. into a hand, just like an outstretched hand, and and Doctor Peckin Paw, the yeah, scientist, be, being like, "Yeah, oh, wow, definitely, it's got to be a hand. Look, look at the screen. It's definitely <laughs> tur turns out of the list of things, the last one hand was right. It was a hand. <laughs> I know. The FBI, Turner, everyone is starting to like." It's a mad, 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 mad world. All the characters are like <laughs> are approaching this Arizona desert, right, in different ways, including cops who, you know, the FBI agent, sure, like we got a thing. And cops we just don't know have found the wreckage of the car. We barely even talked about how funny it was when motherfucking when Paco pushes just pushes the car over the cliff. Because <laughs> it ran out of gas, basically, yeah, exactly. essentially. Then what was exploding in it? Right, yeah. right. If, if there's no <laughs> if gas. It's out of gas. Of course, as is law, somewhere written on a stone deep in the depths of Hollywood, the car falls down the cliff and then explodes, right? <laughs> and talk about thinly veiled sexual references. The cops who find the exploded car are able to identify what junkyard it came from because while everything else is a <laughs> steaming heap of twisted metal and ash, the registration is in a Ziploc bag. And that is... <laughs> bag it up for protection, baby. That's a... That's a <laughs> that is hefty, hefty, hefty. <laughs> Hello, students. It is I, your recently deceased classmate, 
Marcos Gabo. I am the result of Project H-O-U-S-E, when 70% of my body was bionetically reconstructed to be a part of this school. I am your school. I am video. Hi. Oh, I'm so glad this is canon. I guess you're wondering if I am a man. Well, I've been asking myself that a lot lately. And the answer is, no, I'm a school. I've been told by the administration to put the school in lockdown and tell you about the last act of Hands of Steel. So lower the blast doors. Linda has Paco hide from the nosy Sheriff Ray and deflects his deep-fried Columbo shtick. <laughs> the hitman is still monitoring Paco from outside when he gets a call from John Saxon, ordering him to stand down as he wants to use new and effective methods to neutralize him. That's right, in Act 3, the villain decides to become effective. <laughs> Paco realizes that they know he is there So he tries to leave But Linda hasn't gotten to use her Hemsworth-shaped Sibian robot yet So she will not leave his side Meanwhile, Dr. Peckinpah and Inspector I don't know Are able to open Dr. Ulster's tape And read what's inside That's right, they are slowly getting on the audience's page Not there yet, but close and then Eddie and Susie, two bikers, arrive at the hotel. Finally, our main characters. One looks like a 1970s era George Carlin in paintball gear. And the other is wearing saran wrap booty shorts. They are the third example in the movie of someone renting a room from Linda to make the beast with two bags. Mattress mambo, a little in, out, in, out, in, out. I'm done. Shoo. John Saxon arrives in a helicopter and is overheard overhead shouting letters around. Turns out that Eddie and Susie are double agents faking a fight to trick Linda into coming into the room. Eddie stabs Linda to make her scream and beckon Paco. And I am wondering if these are the new effective means John Saxon was referring to. <laughs> there is a moment of tension as Eddie and Susie set up with machine guns to blow away Paco on the other side of a door. Despite the fact that we are all pretty damn sure he is completely bulletproof. Paco jumps through a window. Paco chops Eddie. Paco gets Eddie's gun. Paco shoots Eddie. Susie shoots Paco, and Linda picks up a gun and shoots Susie. Linda crawls to Paco, who is fine, but Linda has been shot in the leg. The hitman asks permission to enter the climax, and John Saxon says, okay. <laughs> but that seems unnecessary, as Susie jumps back up and reveals herself to be the perfect cyborg. Susie starts soundly whooping Paco, while Linda reloads her SMG. She gets in a shootout with Sunglasses Goon. Her cries for help inspire Paco to rip Susie's head off. And just in time, as the goon 
puts a Looney Tunes ass rocket on the end of his shotgun. <laughs> and somehow that works. Paco and Linda run outside to get in a gunfight. It has its logical moments, as Paco even stops to reload his gun at one point. And perfectly illogical moments, where Paco pulls a magazine from his back pocket for a gun he had just picked up. Also, Paco does not seem to have any sort of robotic aim, because when he hands the gun to Linda... She appears to be just as good at him at shooting. <laughs> they are under fire in a trailer, and Paco rips up the floor for their escape. And that is just in time, because with a nod from the hitman, who I am only realizing now definitely does not need to be in this movie, <laughs> the sunglasses goon uses his final shotgun rocket, but Paco and Linda have escaped. And never mind what I said, because sunglasses goon is dead, and now we only have the hitman, John Saxon. <laughs> Raul, and their aerial support helicopter as villains. Paco is one-arming an M16 out the window of their car as he shoots at a pursuing helicopter. And he is puff-puff passing that shit to Linda when the chopper swings around. Raul and his 18-wheeler start driving at Paco and Linda. They drive backwards away from him. Until Paco says, fuck it, and lets Raul intentionally T-bone them. <laughs> Thankfully, Raul's 18-wheeler has picked up no momentum and slows to a crawl so that Paco can punch through his windshield and squeeze Raul's head to death. The helicopter has swung back around, but Paco activates his aimbot and shoots the gunner. Their failure means John Saxon shoots the hitman, and now we are down to just one villain and one and a half helicopters. <laughs> Hope seems lost, but the honor of competitive truck star arm wrestlers saves them in the end as Blanco <laughs> arrives to take Linda to the hospital. But John Saxon has a scorched earth policy, ignoring the cyborg he is pursuing to kill our darling Blanco, who's somehow into it. John Saxon has put a rocket on his shotgun and nobly tells Linda to jump to safety before dying in a fiery explosion. And my robot heart felt something for the first time since the accident. No, Blanco, no. Paco, for his part, screams, no, Linda, without sparing a word for brave Blanco. <laughs> Linda, who is all sorts of fucked up, begs Sheriff Ray to help Paco before being loaded into an ambulance. And Paco, who is still escaping John Saxon and his helicopter, pulls himself out of a river, avoiding gunfire from John Saxon, despite, again, the very clear fact that he is bulletproof. And Paco takes refuge in an old amphitheater. Goons sent in after him are dispatched by Paco, punching through their heads with his titular hands of steel. John Saxon doesn't want to take any chances, so he sends in the rest of his goons with, quote, 
the laser, <laughs> which seems to be a bazooka with an industrial toilet plunger on the front that shoots blue beams of energy. John Saxon, antsy and death-driven, runs in alone with his handgun. Once the laser goons are dealt with, he does some unconvincing lying about wanting to keep Paco alive and then grabs the laser before being grabbed by Paco, who says, You thought you could control me by controlling my brain, but what you didn't realize was you don't own a man until you control his heart, which is lame. <laughs> but what is not lame is he then pulls out John Saxon's heart. He pulls out John Saxon's heart. He pulls out John Saxon's heart and drops it in front of his dying face. Which is exactly the cyborg representation that I am looking for. The inspector and Dr. Peckinpah arrive to say they'll hear Paco out, but Paco says a cab and starts firing on the cops. Linda gets on the megaphone and enters the amphitheater to tell a wigging out Paco that he can be a man again. But Paco shows a hole has been blown out of his head. It must be the man part of his head, because he can't be a man again. Push in to freeze frame. Ever, 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 ever. Movie ending. Burr, 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 error, error, burr, burr. Suddenly missing real error, 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 error. Syntax error, error. It was a day in our near future. The era of the cyborg had begun. Error, error, syntax error, grammatical error. <laughs> I miss our dead classmate every day, but uh, yeah. it's good to know he's here with us. We'll always have Marcus Gamo around us. <laughs> All around us. One thing that wasn't, I don't think, properly addressed in the in this last announcement is just how much long-range shotgun yeah. is used yeah. so in the third much. act of this movie. Yeah. It's so crazy. The Shotgun grenade launcher. Rockets. Sorry, yeah, shotgun yeah. rockets. These launcher. are yeah. these are tiny missiles that we get to we get the absolute <laughs> so pleasure tiny. of watching these little balls of nonsense be attached to the end of a shotgun <laughs> and every time they somehow work. And every time my heart skipped a beat. <laughs> Incredible. And then on top of all that we get a third act laser gun reveal. Amazing. We, we go from near future to far future because they're like, time to bring out the big guns. Yes, I'm talking about the laser ones. It's like, well, why weren't you using these earlier? Not the big guns, the huge gun. It's huge. so honking big. The production designer was like, I have to build a what? Jesus Christ, what do you have? <laughs> oh no, a closet full of garbage. <laughs> it's very much like a kit bashed, thrown together, spray painted black oh, device. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say it's very much like that. I would say it's <laughs> pointedly specifically that. And it lasted two, three shots before it zapped itself to death. Yep. It exploded, and I have no idea why. Well, <laughs> well, we have the precedent set from what was that movie with the crawfish oh, monster? Shit. Oh, Shadow Creature. Shadow Creature. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know you, you get one shot and then it needs five hours to <laughs> recoup <it's> a... <laughs> yeah cut it out Eddie Give stop it not in here huh? hi hi there how you doing I'm Eddie she's Susie hi Eddie Susie what can I do for you 
Have you got a nice room for us? You got a credit card? Yeah. The couple just went inside. Perfect. Confirm success of operation as soon as possible. Okay, watch out. Here you are. Mm-hmm. See you. I want to talk about Eddie and Susie, but I don't know why. I don't know what aspect of them besides all of it. <laughs> besides yeah. literally every moment of it. I want to talk about Susie's performance. Because when she switches from like person into cyborg killer mode, she has such a craze. She sounds like Rita Repulsa from Power Rangers. Yes! Ah, yeah. I am the perfect cyborg! <laughs> and it's, it's incredible! Right. It's a very funny choice to make when it's... Now, Susie, what's your robot voice going to be? <laughs> I'm the greatest cyborg who's ever lived. <laughs> well, she, and she also has like a dead by dawn, like... Yeah. A yes! detached head moment yes! too. Yes. yes, where she's on the They're ground. Gonna get they had a great plan. I mean, yeah. a the the screenwriters had a great plan, which was they set up rule of threes for <laughs> Johns and sex workers coming into this this motel. So like, you don't really expect that the third one are going to be cyborgs. <laughs> and then they specifically had a great plan, which was just like staging an argument to trick her into the room. Like I thought that was a pretty effective way. Almost worked. It almost worked. And then he took the window. I am a perfect cyborg. And I've been sent here to kill the traitor. I don't really know why, when you're fighting a, a assassin robot, why you don't start by being your cyborg self. Right. <laughs> why, why do you start with the Tech Nine? Right? Maybe you should start with the... Why wait for the reveal? The only thing we do see, and I needed to rewind it like four times, was the extreme close-up. As Linda starts blasting at Susie, she knocks the skin off of one of Susie's like fingers on her gun hand. The exposed metal skeleton Susie will then use to injure... Amazing. Paco, I loved that. I do, it's so weird. Again, it's it's what this movie is. It's like, why are you taking these like wild ass side roads to? Oh my god, what an amazing! This was so worth finding. Just thank you so much. Thank you for bringing us on this journey, right? Yeah, I was like, who were these fucking characters? And then I was like, yes, more, yes. more. Where right, were right. you? Where were you this whole time? Effective villains. What a concept. As good as that is, the helicopter stuff is so incredible it's like top gun maverick yeah. it's insanely cool practical stuff that i'm now learning it was took incredibly a unsafe yeah oh god right and oh. kind of spoils a bit of it but yeah. it's still cool but it looks so cool it's a helicopter breaching over a bridge following a truck like it looks dope getting insanely close to the ground. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Not to mention the truck that Raul is driving and when it T-bones the other one on that like tiny one-lane bridge. I don't understand what helicopter scene would have killed that actor. I have an answer for that. Oh. Co-star Claudio Casanelli died in a helicopter crash on July 12th, 1985 during filming in Arizona. According to the National Transportation Safety Board report, the rotor blades of the Bell 206B struck the underside of a steel bridge and broke Ooh. off, causing the aircraft to plummet into the canyon below, killing Casanelli and the pilot. The crash was officially attributed to the inattention and poor judgment by the pilot. Whoa. Oh, that's so sad. That's such a bummer. That's such a bummer. 
I mean, and you don't want to say things like it was worth it. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, hell of a movie to go out on. Pretty sweet. It looks really good. I'm sorry, dead guy. I know. Yeah, sorry, dead guy. It's very sad. It's a tragedy, but also like, damn it, it's on the screen, baby. (laughs) It's on the screen. Blood, sweat, and tears. The helicopter gets like so close to the ground when it's following the car. Raul, you're dead! Oh my God. Also, how great was that? When he just screams in his face? Yeah. He gets the rebel word for this movie. Raul, you're dead! I literally yeah. wrote down that some red brown yelling. That's beautiful. It's it's perfect. He gets the red brown throat award. Uh, that's uh, that's a different yeah. award. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't look like a penis to me. <laughs> no, Josh, upside down. <laughs> Josh is a Westworld cyborg that just doesn't see <laughs> sexual organs. <laughs> Josh sees an actual dick, and there's a readout in front of his eyes that's like crowbar. Hands, <laughs> tongue, tongue, snake. I just don't know what. What could it be? <laughs> the handle of a cast iron skillet. <laughs> Ball in a sock. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's an upside down bicep, guys. <laughs> Damn it! It won't start. Look, oh, there's a truck stopping. Give me the gun. Is there anything I can do for you, champ? Yeah, Blanco, get her to a hospital, would you? I sure will. I know they're after you. And I'm with you, champ. Thanks, Blanco. Good luck. Come on, Linda. R.I.P. Blanco, who's like the most honorable man in the world, rolls up because, like, Paco did him honorable and he's like, yeah, I'm here. I'm here with you, champ. Like, we're, let's let's save the day. And I feel like he didn't have to die. No, it's so weird. It's such a he weird. He should have jumped out of the car. Too. Couldn't they have both jumped out of the car? This movie kills everyone. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. Right. There's only one way to to tie off a loose end in this movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> it's yeah. doubly sad because Paco doesn't give a scream no. for Blanco. He only screams for Linda. And I know he wants to like bone Linda, but like I love Blanco. I would argue he shared a much more intense physical relationship with Blanco in this movie than he yes. ever did with Linda. He certainly got more sweaty and intimate. Yeah. with Blanco than he did with Linda, yeah. as we as the audience saw. Yeah, and the fact that he can just sort of sense, like, his truck's like a Air Force jet that was like, we're locked on. Jump, Linda, you got to do a jet. Yeah. <laughs> 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 the missile's locked on. A shotgun <laughs> missile is locked on. The Top Gun theme starts playing as she just Talk to me, Blanco. Talk to me, Blanco. Talk to me, Blanco. Please, don't kill me. You're the one who told me to have no pity for my enemies, remember? Please, don't don't kill me. You made one mistake, Turner. You thought you could own me by controlling my my brain. But what you didn't realize Ah. was that you don't own a man until you control his heart. (sighs) 
Also, how great is John Saxon begging for his life from Paco? The immediate turn of like, I'll give you anything. Okay, okay. Let's not be too rash, man. I created. (laughs) You know, you know, he's lying, but it is so funny after the movie we just watched that his first act was like, What? I don't want to kill you. Where'd you get that idea? (laughs) Me holding this laser? No, 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 no. I was giving, I was here to give this to you. This is is a present. Happy Hanukkah. <laughs> did those other guys I sent? Did they try to? Ki- oh my! I will. I'll have a talk with. Them. Well, I killed them already. For you know, I killed yep. them already. So that ending, that ending, <laughs> the last line, which our fallen classmate did not reference, maybe Paco Quaric never even existed, and then it freeze frames. It's like, well, like he could have not. Like you I are what not, you are. Right? man like do you want another name do you want to like start a new life like are you saying whatever you felt in the past couple of days what are you doing what is he saying what are you saying if it was followed up by based on the novel by philip k dick yes made perfect sense (laughs) yes 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 no but it's followed up with the most confusing title card in cinema history (laughs) it was a day in your in our future the era of the cyborg had begun. Title cards! Like, what? Rod Serling steps out and is like, this happens in a little town very close to the town you may know now in the Twilight Zone. It's like, wait, Rod, what was the purpose of this? Maybe the truth is out there. On a computer screen, there's a outline of a penis <laughs> on the desktop of a doctor named after a famous film director in the Twilight Zone. I love that last title card also because it had like a little like all your bases are belong to us. Like it just like sort of. It's slightly off. I know it does make grammatic sense, but it's just weird. It's a weird way to say. It also screams insurance shut this production down before we could shoot the last scenes. And we have to just throw this on here. Yeah. It really feels like the camera ran out of film. Yeah. like Like that shot. Like that was all they had. All right, guys, we have one take of this. Yeah, it's so crazy. Crazy because, and it's not like anything else really needs to get wrapped up. Like, I don't know what this, where this movie done, would have gone. But, right? Yeah, it's no. Like, I, the only thing that was confusing, but to the point of, I just liked the sort of, I guess, the nihilistic bent of like his whatever, whatever his brain processor has taken some damage, and now he's just kind of wigging out, and that's the end of it. <laughs> yeah. like, no, Linda's dead. No, Linda died. Yeah, the, the, uh, er, er, the er, fact er, that he cannot even comprehend Linda. Not Linda. that Linda is alive. And it's even like, I don't want to see her. I don't want to see her. Like, I thought he was going to kill Linda. I was I was excited for that to be the end of the movie. It's very Italian. It's almost Strike Commando, right? It throws like one weird little thesis statement at the end to be like, is that what this movie was about? And yet, <laughs> but there's something poetic about it. There's something poetic about this like... like the anti-Spartacus. <laughs> Maybe Spartacus never existed. Yeah. <laughs> That's not what this movie was about. But No one was Spartacus. <laughs> yeah. It's like the ending of what would be like the actual Chris Kyle story or whatever, right? It's like, it's like not the American sniper Clint Eastwood version. It's like the guy who comes home is like, what am I anymore? I was used to kill i was made to kill am i a person anymore am i within here is this very sudden metaphor of a ptsd veteran who's been trained to kill and now is like am i me anymore yeah uh but eh. way to cram into the last <laughs> minute was I ever me? yeah you see maybe paco Quira never even existed Toma oregato.
Tomo, 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 arigato, that guy named Paco, tomo, 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 tomo. We have used that before. Oh, did we? <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh no. Which I actually kind of like. I yeah, kind of like, like it. too. It's, now it's a theme. What's another robot song? I've got nothing, I man. Got I got nothing. Ooh, uh, 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 rip off report card. <laughs> The Hands of Steel rip-off report card is brought to you by Hands of Steel Wool. When you want to accomplish a task by any means necessary and don't mind leaving behind some scratches on your stainless steel or a dead used car salesman in the desert, use Hands of Steel Wool to clean up all your little messes. I am no stranger to the world of silly sports. When I first moved to Los Angeles, I found myself in an adult dodgeball league in an effort to find enjoyable pastimes and new friends, both of which, for its time, were successful. There was a crossover in this dodgeball league with folks who were on a kickball team. Hell, our alma mater had a thriving Quidditch presence. But amongst all these silly sports, yes, I'm taking a hard line on this, I am eternally fascinated by the concept of arm wrestling. (laughs) It's the most beautifully harmless expression of alpha mindsets and the need for dominance I could possibly think of short of thumb wrestling. Forget throwing punches or physically wrestling someone or crashing against people in tackle football or dueling to the death gladiator style. There is something so heartwarmingly entertaining about people expressing their need for strength and dominance through a vertical handshank. Bless them. Current knowledge on the history of arm wrestling is full of anachronisms. It may have existed in any number of ancient cultures, but popular claims that it was practiced in ancient Egypt or ancient Greece, while not implausible, are founded on a misinterpretation of sources, confusing references to wrestling with the arms or images of wrestling with the hands or of dancing for arm wrestling. However, it is known to have been widely practiced by the Edo period of Japan, depicted in art from as early as the 1700s. It was known as Udezumo, or wrist wrestling. The very first reference to arm wrestling can be found in an early Japanese written source from the year 712 titled Kojiki, in which the gods Takamika Zuki, aka Thunder God, and Takaminakata, brave August name firm, had a match for possession of the Japanese islands. The match itself was short. Why did I write this? <laughs> Takamikazuki crushed Takeminakata's hand. Takeminakata ran away. It all makes sense away. when you're copy and pasting Wikipedia. I know, I know. <laughs> Pleaded for his life and then agreed to hand over the land. It had little resemblance to arm wrestling as it is now known, but it is recognized as an early, quote, fight of the hands. In 1930, Tetsu Yamamoto founded the first Japanese arm wrestling association and became a figurehead of the sport, developing 48 techniques and even appearing in a film for Japanese television in 1998 at the age of 98, arm wrestling against professional wrestler Manubo Nakanishi. Tetsu was given the humble title of God of Arm Wrestling. It is likely that the modern popularity of arm wrestling comes from the Japanese treatment of the sport. In the 19th century, possibly influenced by Japan, arm wrestling was also practiced by Spaniards and Cubans who would place a piece of money under each elbow. In America, some sources suggest arm wrestling originated amongst American Indian people, such as the Lenape. A variant on the craft, known as, quote, Indian hand wrestling, was conducted upright, and both styles were very popular amongst Boy Scouts and the youth in the early mid-20th century. The sport came to real prominence in the 1950s when organized tournaments arose. 
the World's Wrist Wrestling Championship, Inc. was the first arm wrestling organization in America, and it in turn organized the first championship held in Herman Sons Hall, the second largest auditorium in Petaluma, California in 1962. Anyone, of course, can be a casual arm wrestler. But if you want to join the big leagues, there are certain rules that must be followed. In competitive arm wrestling, a match is conducted with both competitors standing up with arms placed on a tournament arm wrestling table, which includes elbow pads to indicate the area within which a competitor's elbow must remain throughout the match, pin pads, which indicate the height of an opponent's hand must reach before being considered pinned, and hand pegs, which must be gripped with a non-wrestling arm for additional leverage. Much like any sport, there are rules governing fouls and imposition of penalties depending on if any of these regulations are breached. The rules and regulations for arm wrestling are designed to create an even playing field and to prevent broken bones. And as we know from the movie we watched this week, arm wrestling has a prolific history in media as well. Most famously, Over the Top features a champion played by Sylvester Stallone, and it's also featured in scenes in movies from Predator, The Fly, and The Old Man in the Sea. In 2014, there was a reality game show called Game of Arms, which showed teams of American competitors fighting to become the best arm wrestler wrestler. An interesting little factoid, in Italy, the term used for arm wrestling is braccio de ferro, and the cartoon character Popeye is also called braccio de ferro there. So here's a salute to the art and craft of arm wrestling. Bless you and your simple rules, which are simple solutions to often violent problems. As an inspirational poster I saw on Google just now says... The world would be a better place if conflicts were resolved with arm wrestling. <laughs> and that has been the Hands of Steel rip-off report card. Nice. Wow. It Rich didn't history. get sad even once. No, uh, I know. Wow. Saved that for the episode? I saved it for the episode. Yeah. <laughs> I really, truly thought that you were going to say from a, an inspirational poster that I just saw, you have no future. <laughs> Damn. Oh, oh, wasted opportunity. Oh. Domo origato, white guy named Paco. Domo, domo. <laughs> domo, domo. The helicopter crashing, so Claudio's not acting. No mo, no mo. Rip off report card. I don't know if I can clap for that. Yeah, I was going to say, that might be a boo. Boo. man. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, class, that was Hands of Steel. So no matter what metal your hands are made of, raise them and (laughs) tell me what might end up on the final test. To be honest, my takeaway from this movie would be that if you don't know how to end your movie, just find a confounding line and freeze frame on it. (laughs) That's pretty good. It'll really make the audience think. (laughs) I'm going to hold on to the lesson in the ironic tragedy of Dr. Ulster. He meant no harm. He invented his assassination cyborg to help mankind, not kill anybody. <laughs> uh, since my ripoff report card wasn't depressing enough, I will read more facts about this uh, accident that oh, took a man's no. life on the set of Hands of Steel. Oh. So John Saxon, strictly adhering to Screen Actors Guild rules, refused to act in any scenes shot in America. All of his scenes were shot in Italy because this was not a union film. He credits SAG with saving his life as he would have likely been on the helicopter that crashed. (laughs) He has not violated any SAG guidelines since. Whoa. Whoa. Damn. 
Damn. For my review, I'm going to crib from Paco's database in the movie. Efficiency level, maximum. Reliability, maximum. Negative characteristics, none. Amen. Thank you so much to our teacher, Philip Marlowe, Seth Applebaum of Ghost Funk Orchestra, and Gabriella Tessitore of Scout Harris for our theme music, Justin Ferrero of the Rizzos for our bed music, and Shearer for our logo, and the entire Video Eye crew, Greg Hansen, Casey Regan, Jamie Kennedy, and me, Josh Roth. Join us for our next lesson where we celebrate tax season with the 1993 Lorenzo Lamas bounty hunter flick, Bounty Tracker, with our special guest, comedian Neil Rubenstein. Listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> that sounds like a, like an idiom for jerking off. Yeah, yeah, wrist, wrist wrestling. wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, are you wrist wrestling in there? Shut up! You know you're gonna go blind. Very phallic episode. (laughs) Simple Equations Podcast Network.